Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. of the Backdoor Cut Show, part of the Barnburner Podcast Network. Thanks for following along with us on Periscope, on the underscore Barnburner Twitter account, and also for subscribing to the Barnburner Podcast Network on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Obviously, there's no live games for us to talk about right now, but what we are going to do is kind of run through the uh, 2019 Memphis Tigers recruiting class that was the number one recruiting class last year in the NCAA basketball and kind of see where those guys, how they performed, how Penny's young team performed in their first year and kind of rank them, compare them, compare to guys that were ranked around them uh, based on some, some composite rankings and see how we felt that the guys doing the talent evaluating did and did the Memphis players play above their level or below and kind of what we can look for going into the future. So I'm Zach, and tonight with me I have Mason and Subi. Subi's, uh leads our theater and college hoop, so we brought uh, an extra body on board to the the heavy hitter. Brought him on board, the big knowledge over there. How are you guys doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. I appreciate you having me on first and foremost. It's funny you mentioned bringing another body in. Little, little did you guys know, uh, one of my many nicknames growing up was The Body, El Cuerpo. <laughs> so, yeah, that's actually a, a shark original. He he invented that. But doing as well as one could possibly be doing right now. Yesterday should have been Final Four day. We should be gearing up for the national title game in Atlanta. Ooh. But hanging in there, man. I, I, but like I said, appreciate you guys having me on. Damn, just think back to like October when James Wiseman was supposed to be leading us this weekend. And we were, like, we were supposed to be right there. Uh, but luckily, luckily for us, the season was canceled. So there is that <laughs> we kind of are saved that that feeling of despair, you know, if we didn't make it that far. So uh, unfortunately, the circumstances still remain and um, the country is still in crisis. So what else are we going to do? But let, let's talk some hoops, man. We do have one thing that we want to shout out. Our chief getting engaged this weekend. Oh, yeah. So big shouts to the chief. Um, quarantine really engagement. About, yeah, quarantine <laughs> engagement brought a little joy to to all of us, really. That was really exciting. So congrats to him. Incredible. Incredible news for the Chief. Everyone's I mean you you had a kid this year, right? Uh mm-hmm. right, Zach? And so yeah. a lot of a lot of noteworthy big items happening this past year. But yes, hug for the chief. Uh, virtual distant hug and in spirit only. We cannot give physical hugs in this in this climate, but Good for the good for the chief. Yeah, I don't know if he hadn't said if it's going to be like a podcast wedding. I don't know how that's (laughs) going to work out yet. And you know, he's just defying the experts. All the experts are talking about divorce rates during this time spiking, and the chief's just going out there and getting (laughs) engaged, like throwing it right in their face. So typical, (laughs) typical move from from our boy Sam. Absolutely, but uh, so that so bring some positivity into everyone's evening tonight. All right, Mason, you want to get started? All right, so uh, like you said, we're going to dive into the Memphis recruits or freshmen who have now completed their freshman season, um, state where they were ranked according to 24-7's composite ranking, list off the players who were ranked five spots ahead of them and five spots below them, and we're going to see how they fared. So first up, we got Precious Achua, um, you know, really the crown jewel of this recruiting class when it was all said and done. I think he even outperformed any expectations we had for him coming in. 
Um, he played 31 games, averaged 30 minutes a game, 16 points, 11 rebounds, and one assist. And when Precious came to Memphis, he he wanted to be that small forward type guy. And I think Penny and Mike Miller really told him, like, uh, that's dumb. Like, if you're going to make it at the next level, you're going to be this small ball, big type player. And he really embraced it. Um, you know, maybe you said Bam Adebayo before, Zach. Um, it's that kind of point forward guy who can do it all. But his biggest thing was his motor. And he really showed that off this year. And I hate that he didn't have a chance to show it in the conference tournaments and so on. But coming uh, off of his senior year in high school, Precious was ranked 15th in the nation. Um, so the guys ahead of him coming in at 10th was Tyrese Maxey from Kentucky, who had a pretty solid year. He averaged almost 35 minutes a game, 14 points, uh, four and a half boards and three assists. So really solid guy on a good team. Then he had uh, Khalil Whitney was 11. Matthew Hurt was 12. Josh Green at 13 from Arizona. Sub's boy. Uh, then at 14 is one of Zach and I's boy and Folly Dante from Oregon, who we raved about all summer. And then he played fucking 12 games um, right after precious was number 16, Jeremiah Robinson, Earl, number 17, Brian Antoine, both of those guys at Villanova. Number 18 was Trendon Watford, who Memphis kind of had to choose between precious and Trendon on the recruiting trail. And when they chose precious Trendon went to LSU. Um, I'm sure he got a check from Will Wade for doing so uh, yeah. strong ass offer. Uh, and then Samuel Williamson from Louisville was 19th and Isaiah Mobley at USC uh, was ranked 20th. So just initial thoughts. Um, how do you guys think Precious fared in comparison to those names I read off? Um, you, you got the stats in front of you. We, we put some research into this. Our research department got, got in and got in there and dug up some numbers. The Sue, what are your initial thoughts? Um, just how Precious fared compared to his peers? Yeah, looking at the list that, again, Zach and, and Mace, great job in doing this research. Looking at the list, the people above him and below him, uh, I thought Precious did incredibly well. I can't speak enough to Precious's uh, ability to sort of compartmentalize the situation and all that happened in Memphis. As such a young guy, I found that what was most impressive is that everyone on that team had a reason to maybe not quit is the right answer, but really kind of let their guard down, play, suffer. Precious emerged as the number one dude. He was the alpha, and he kept that that team as afloat as possible. Who knows if if they make a run in the AAC tournament and then get to the NCAA tournament. But I thought Precious, amongst all of these guys, uh, he was probably going to be a lottery pick coming into college last year. But this season, dealing with what he had to deal with, taking the baton from Wiseman as the number one, and then meeting those expectations, some could even say exceeding, I thought, comparatively speaking, he did very well. Some quick notes, uh, you know, one-liners on the guys that were above him and below him. Tyrese Maxey, I was all over Maxey, and I was actually going to take Kentucky to win the national title if things broke in terms of the bracket. And we all remember his performance in MSG first weekend of the season, and I kind of just blew my wad on him <laughs> prematurely, <Yes>. but <laughs> he's awesome. Khalil Whitney, uh, he didn't see much playing time, I think 12 minutes a game, and he's already out uh, right. from Kentucky. Matthew Hurt, he was really good, actually, for Duke. And I think he would have been one of those great integral players. But amongst those three right there, I don't think any of them played better than than Precious. Josh Green, solid season, but I think still a little bit underwhelming, especially considering people were saying he was the next Ben Simmons. Kind of crazy. Um, and then in Folly, Dante. So Dante, I know when I had you guys on Titch, we were talking about how awesome the Wiseman-Dante matchup was going to be. And we got fucking neither of them, I think. And so that was really disappointing. But I'll chalk it up to injuries for Dante. Uh, but again, I don't think any of those guys had better years than Precious. Jeremiah Robinson Earl was really good for a really yeah. good team. Um, Antoine didn't get much minutes for Villanova. Trendon Watford, LSU was kind of up and down. Uh, but I think the only one that was pretty comparable to Precious's year was Jeremiah Robinson Earl. And that's good company to be in. Yeah, both of those guys have, you know, Precious did average a double double with at fifteen and ten. Robinson Earl with ten and nine. Uh, Maxi and Hurt, you know, they both had really good seasons along with Green. But I would definitely say out of that group of guys, kind of rises to the top in that group. And like you mentioned, he was the alpha on Memphis. Yes, they were 
like probably outside of the bubble type team, but with a very inexperienced roster. And he really showed that, I mean, he's a very, very versatile player. I think that he's just going to continue to grow because he's pretty raw and unrefined at this point. Uh, but his ability to guard every position pretty much. And he, out of this group, he didn't even have the most minutes. He's about one fourth in minutes, but led them all in scoring and pretty much around the rim. He owned it on both sides of the floor. So I think that you have to at least put him in this 10 through 20 category in probably the top, at least the top three. So I think that, you know, him being a top 15 guy coming in seems, you know, fairly appropriate. Yeah, and I guess the one thing that you, you may select Tyrese Maxey over Precious for, as we saw many times, was Precious can't create a shot when you need a bucket. He's more of a role player, dive into the rim, throw him the oop. Um, he just can't go get you a bucket, whereas Tyrese Maxey, as we saw in that uh, game in the garden, and pull up from deep and win the game or drive and kick to his teammate and Precious uh, he's d- did a lot of things well, but as far as vision on the court goes and just natural feel for the game, that's kind of where he's lacking at this stage. But do you guys think any, uh, who do you think out of this crew could have a better NBA career than Precious? I mean, obviously it's up in the air, but just based on what you saw this year, I, I think Precious has just a, a good chance as any, any of these guys to be a NBA player and have a solid NBA career. Yeah, I think if you're translating what they did in college to the NBA, then I think that's definitely a fair assessment because he can play. He's going to be put in that small ball five role, and he really, you know, that isn't what he wanted to play. He kept saying that, but really that's what he needs to excel at in the at the next level, I think, to be a really valuable player on a team. And I think he can do that. I think yeah. he can slide in there pretty easily. Yeah, I agree. I, I think Precious actually has – probably a top two shot amongst all these other guys for best NBA career. Dante is someone that I'd keep my eye on, but I'm really hesitant on that because just last year we have an example of Bol Bol, supremely talented, but injury riddled Oregon big and Denver's taking a chance on him. We haven't really seen it pay off just yet, but of course it's still very, very early in his career. But Mm -hmm. Dante, I think is a guy that could very well make a splash in the NBA. But again, Achua, taking on the role and responsibility that he did. Uh, I think I think he shot up even higher than whatever he was expected to be, let's say, in the offseason. Yeah, and I think on draft night, he might even go higher than some of these mock drafts are projecting. Like He's a fringe lottery guy right now, but I think on draft night, you're going to see him in that 8 to 10 range. But we'll see. So I guess we can also use this as a reflection on Penny and his staff, you know, ability to eye talent and then develop that talent. And with precious, it looks like, looks like they did a good job. That's one of those stories that as a coaching staff, you kind of got to continue to share that story with other top recruits. Like this mm-hmm. is what, this is what we got. This is what we did with them. And you know, that of course that hinges on precious going to the NBA draft, which he hasn't declared yet, but anything else on that tier or should we go to the next guy? I was just really quick going to say, Mace, that with the rest of these guys, we talked about Robinson Earl, we talked about Dante, we talked about Maxi. Look at their supporting cast. Dante had a guy like Peyton Pritchard, who's arguably the best player in the country. Robinson Earl has a lot of good talent around him. Sadiq Bay, Gillespie, running point, Jay Wright, two-time coach, like national title winner. Like I cannot stress enough how much Precious at whatever he is, 18 years old, took on the responsibility of having to – supplant James Wiseman as the guy uh, without a, a ton of help surrounding him. Yep. Yep. That's, that's a good point. And, but one thing I will correct you, Precious is 21. So maybe he did have a little advantage. Is he? <laughs> he, yeah. He's older. He's an old fellow, man, but it's not his fault. You know, he's a, he's a late bloomer still. So okay. we won't hold that against him. You know, those, those years count a little different. So we'll move on to uh, Boogie Ellis. He was ranked 38th in the nation, according to 24-7 Sports, coming out of last year. Of course, he was committed to Duke. Um, and then when it was obvious that Trey Jones was going to come back, he flipped his commitment to Memphis, where he played 31 games, just like Precious. He averaged 25 minutes, eight points, and three rebounds, and one and a half assists. And I think what we saw from Boogie this year was early on, we tried to play him off the ball. 
and he just stank shit up, man. Like, there's no other way to put it. He he was not good. And then as the season progressed, really, the last quarter of the season, we saw him uh, have more of a ball handler role. Penny put the ball in his hands, allowed him to work off screens and just kind of lead the offense. And we finally got a glimpse of what we were hoping for, to see from Boogie Ellis. Um, something to build on going into next year. But all in all, his season was average, I think, a lot of Memphis fans probably laid it on a little thicker than they should have for a freshman guard. Um, but, you know, we're here. I'll, I'll go ahead and compare these other names. Uh, coming in at 33, who was five spots ahead of Boogie, was Johnny Juzang from Kentucky. Uh, didn't do shit. He's already transferring. Uh, <laughs> I like coming, that summary. <laughs> well, I mean, there's not much to say. Coming in at 34 was uh, DJ Carton, Cartone uh, from Ohio State. And, he, only, he played 20 games, and he, he was decent, but he's already in the transfer portal as well. Uh, Will Baker from Texas at number 35. Isaac Okoro from Auburn at 36, who was the real diamond in the rough here yeah. uh, until we get down to Zeke. Um, 37 was Cassius Stanley at Duke. Had a solid freshman season. One below boogie was Rocket Watts at Michigan State. Quiet season, but still productive. Um, then at 40, the best player, in my opinion, in this area was Zeke Najee from Arizona. Um, 41 was Jalen LeCue, who ended up not even playing anywhere, I don't think. I think he just entered the NBA draft or G League or something. Um, then 42 was Addison Patterson at Oregon. And 43, Drew Timmy from Gonzaga, who was a solid contributor on a really good team. Um, so Boogie, he fared well compared to most of these guys, Isaac Okoro and Zeke, of course, like I mentioned, were the two best, um, Cassius Stanley is right there too, but Boogie is right there with Drew Timmy and, uh, Rocket Watts. So he's, you'd probably put him in top six, top seven in this category, which isn't great, but there were some guys who outperformed their expectations. So. Um, as much as Memphis fans wanted to hate on Boogie, I think it was a solid freshman season, and um, I was just glad to see that uptick in production as the season progressed, and uh, I think he's going to set up for a solid sophomore year. Yeah, I actually thought Boogie and Rocket Watts are in the exact same boat here, for me at least. So they both started off pretty slow, and they were supposed to be relied upon somewhat heavily at the guard position. And we saw towards the end of the year, Michigan State and that Tom Izzo team really rounding into form. They were yeah. arguably the hottest team in the country, and Rocket Watts was gaining gaining his confidence. And I think that's what we saw with Boogie. Now, where this differs with the uh, higher tier with the Precious crew, I actually think you're right there, Mace. I think Boog struggled a little bit compared to the other guys. If we look at them, Johnny Juzang, like you had said, in the transfer portal. DJ Carton, he left because – he. He took a leave of absence because of some personal issues, so we'll see where he ha- ends up. Uh, Isaac Okoro, though, I thought he was amazing this yeah. year and, and such a diamond there for Bruce Pearl. And you know, so he had a he had a more impactful and better season than Boog. Cash- was, he, was he SEC Freshman of the Year? I don't remember. I don't even know if they did awards. I can't remember seeing him. He was uh, he was SEC second team All SEC. I don't know if he uh, for a. Uh, freshman team i'm not sure if he got that award yeah no that's a good question i i don't know if he was or not but i mean that's just a testament to what bruce pearl's been doing the past like three years at auburn really and and their sustained success so i thought okoro was fantastic i even thought Cassius stanley was fantastic the reason why we didn't talk too much about matthew hurt is because a guy like stanley really emerged uh and by the way, he might be the most ferocious dunker in Division One basketball right yeah, now. For sure. Uh, he has incredible rise. Uh, then you got Boogie and then Rocket. Zeke Naji, like you had mentioned, I was incredibly surprised by his output. He won Pac-12 Freshman of the Year. I thought he had a better season than Boog, and he actually had a better season than Nico Mannion and Josh Green, the other two highly touted freshmen coming into Arizona. Naji off to the draft. Uh, like, yeah, Jalen Leck, I don't know anything about him. I think he's in northern Arizona right now with the with the yeah. Suns. Uh, but I will also say I think Drew Timmy had a, a better year than Boog. Drew Timmy, was, him and Petrosev for Gonzaga, that front court, was going to be scary. Uh, and, I mean, I, I think that's another testament to Mark Few and how good of a coach he really is. Uh, those two, the, the Timmy and Petrosev that I just mentioned, plus Killian Tilly, 
I hate Gonzaga because they're now the West Coast powerhouse, but that would have been a ferocious front court right there. So I think this window is where Boogs sort of kind of got lost in the mix there. Yeah, I think, Mason, when you said like seventh or so, I think that's probably pretty accurate because you do have some pretty – you have some guys that definitely outperform their class uh, like we've talked about. My question for you, Sub, is is Zeke – Every t- I like really looked forward to watching him play. He seems like the real deal. Is that the case? I so Zeke is interesting. I don't know how his game is going to translate to the NBA level, but his motor is. I mean, it, it's unquestionable. He is. He gives every everything every single play. He was easily our most consistent player across the board this year. Like I could expect ten to twelve points every single game uh, from Zeke. So that was kind of nice in a re- otherwise up and down season. I will also say now that we're on the airwaves and we got to get this out earlier in the year, I think it was like November Taylor was saying that this guy Zeke is going to be a first round pick easy. And I was like, I don't know about that. He is, he now, he now definitely will be. (laughs) So I want to apologize and say I'm wrong, but to answer your question, I don't know how it's going to translate, but uh, he definitely outperformed his ranking here. Yeah. And we've got Taylor in the comments. He said Zeke only had, uh, two games under double digits. He also said that he, well, he said we, um, in reference to the show, weren't surprised about Zeke. So, Taylor, c- congrats for being all over that. Um, but, Sue, I do want to kind of get off base here and ask you something because we were, we were both fans of teams who had a lot of freshmen this year. And we, uh, for Memphis, it was a struggle. It was really uh, a learning curve, and fans got impatient. Um, you know, at one point there was Penny can't coach. And then it was like, oh, well, everyone's just going to transfer because we're losing. Um, as a fan of another team who relied heavily on freshmen, uh, and if anyone who follows your Twitter account knows that your season was full of frustration in and of itself, um, but your team was still projected to make the tournament. So can you just relay to Memphis fans how – uh, freshman in college basketball kind of struggle and what your experience was this year with the Arizona team? Yeah, I guess all you can preach is patience, but I don't have much of it. Like <laughs> it's, it's very much a do as I say, and not as I do type thing. And I think that'll just come with, I think it, it really has everything to do with managing expectations. So Arizona and Sean Miller, he's been to the elite eight. He just can't break through to the final four. And I think once, an amazing freshman like DeAndre Ayton came and they lost to Buffalo questions started emerging. Like, is this the right man for the job as it pertains to Memphis? I think what Penny's done already is, is really impressive. And I think it will take some time and it's, it's tough. The thing that I would, I would recommend the most is don't get hyped in the off season until like you see these guys play a month and a half of basketball there's no point in getting too high or too low on your recruiting class. I didn't give a shit about Zeke Naji. I was all over Nico Mannion and Josh Green. <laughs> Same thing with yeah. previous years. Biggest biggest advice I would give is do not get too high or too low on recruits. Unless I guess it's a Wiseman. Like he's clearly amazing. But uh, that's that's the biggest advice I would give. Yeah, and I guess the situations are different because, like you mentioned, you've got got a coach who's been around for a while. You had your chances to make some runs, and whereas Memphis is kind of cobbling shit back together. Um, but when anytime you bring in the number one recruiting class, there's high expectations, and it, it doesn't help when the coach is saying we're we're looking for a national championship as much as the fan base loves it. Um, so, okay. I just wanted to reiterate to Memphis fans that, you know, freshmen, just because you have a great freshman class doesn't mean you're going to win, you know, 28 games and only lose two or three. It's just not, not the reality. Uh, not every year, at least. No, it's not. You hit the nail on the head and I would even preach, and this is more of a coaching thing. You look at some of the final four and national title winners of recent memory. A lot of them are like three year, two year guys that have been through the ringer, have been through disappointments. Look at Virginia, Kyle Guy, even Texas Tech. You look at a guy like Davide Moretti, who somehow is still there, right? Like, I mean, I know Jarrett Culver was their best player for Tech, but look at some of these recent national title winners, Villanova. Fucking Jalen Brunson has two under his belt, right? DiVincenzo, I think, was a sophomore. You got to, like, there's something, there really is something to be said, and Rothstein tweets this. There is something to be said about uh, veteran leadership, and a veteran can just be a sophomore. The The difference between a sophomore's experience and a freshman's experience, I think, is huge. 
Yeah, you got anything? <laughs> no, nah, y'all hit it good. Uh, I think that this uh, bucket of guys from the uh, 33 to 43 had the bet, or out of the ones that we looked at or will look at, had like the most guys that could have probably been top 25 guys that maybe were a little underranked. Um, just a little observation from there. I know we're picking nits when we get to that, but you know, uh, there were some really good guys like Okoro, Najee, uh, stuck in there that uh, surprised some folks this year. Um, going on to our next group. So here at Memphis actually had a couple guys that were really closely ranked. So DJ Jeffries was 52nd and Lester Quinones was 58. So a lot of the guys in their brackets over overlap. So going from 47th, we got Davion Harmon from Oklahoma. He played in 31 games, uh, averaged seven points. Uh, Ant- Anton Watson from Gonzaga played in half the games, played about half the minutes, not too much there. Uh, Zach Harvey, Alonzo Gaffney, Kai Jones, none of those guys really made any sort of impact, and that's the 49-50-51. No, none of them averaged uh, four points or uh, over 16 minutes. Now, this is a guy for Memphis, DJ Jeffries at 52, that I definitely think uh, ended up being a lot better than his ranking. He was towards, you know, after Wiseman, and even when Wiseman was there, he could have been the second best player in a lot of situations um, with with or without Precious on the floor. DJ definitely commanded a presence, and it, w- it was a shame that his season got cut short uh, by injury because he was averaging 10-4. and four. I think he was, for a little bit, the leading scorer for Memphis when – uh, after Wiseman had left, before Precious really kicked it into that next gear. Uh, so he's in there at 52nd. Jalen Wilson from Kansas at 53. <laughs> he played in two games. Uh, Harlan <laughs> Beverly, uh, he played in 31 games. You know, none of these guys that I'm about to list. Aiden, I don't know how to say that one. Egan Hahn, what's that one? I no did zero no, idea. Okay. That's okay, why I'm good. on mute. Now. That makes me feel better. Casey Morsell, um, Justin Moore, finally a guy averaging in double figures with 11. And then Quinones, ranked at 58, coming in over 10 points a game. And then you have a bunch of other guys that you pretty much didn't see the court. Outside of, I take that back, we got Romeo Weems at 62. He played 30 minutes a game. Uh, average eight points a game but really in this whole bucket from 47 to 64 only three guys averaged in double figure scoring and two of them were tigers in jeffries and quinones um what are your thoughts on this group yeah i i think this is this this is actually where penny should get a, a lot of credit for finding jeffries and quinones and producing the way that they were able to produce so he's gonna get uh, he's gonna get the love for finding Wiseman and also Achua, but I think the great measure of a coach's recruiting ability is finding guys in the fifty to sixty, even forty range, and getting them to play as well as as they were. They're not gonna be national players of the year or anything like that. And I'm sure you guys are completely over the Quinones shorts question. I, you know, even I asked <laughs> yeah, it, <laughs> but uh, you know, I think. Those these two guys, Jeffries and Quinones, and you had mentioned Jeffries' injury. Uh, they they definitely were the the best amongst this group right here. Uh, I would also like to point out real quick that Harland Beverly, that name just reeks of like I don't know. That name just reminds me of some aristocratic, like super wealthy Southern guy <laughs> with like. Yeah, the plantation or something. Yeah, yeah, with like the huge fucking pillars, and he's sitting in a rocking chair on his front porch with like a huge jug of sweet tea or something. That's Harlan Beverly. But if we're actually talking basketball, uh, Quinones and and Jeffries definitely outperformed here. And you know, hot tip to Penny for finding them here. And how how about the kid from Villanova, Justin Moore? How how was he for them? How did he fit into a team that was uh, pretty good? Yeah, I don't think uh, it's tough, man. Being a guard, uh, I think Justin Moore was a guard, right? Uh, for your guess is good. Come on, let's see if Zach's got some notes on him. <laughs> I, can, I can look. 
Justin Moore. Moore stepped on the court for Villanova and made an immediate impact. Though he was the third highest rated freshman for Jay Wright, Moore played the third most minutes on the Wildcats roster and averaged 11 points and three boards, shooting 40% from three on five attempts per game. Yeah. So, so. – I, I thought he fit in very well, actually. And it's tough being a freshman getting into that Nova system. You guys remember Javon Quinterly. He's down in Alabama right now. He was a stud coming out of New Jersey, originally committed to Villanova last year. He barely saw the court. So if you're able to gain Jay Wright's trust and then put an impact like that, especially at the guard position at Villanova, which has been so monumentally great with guys yeah. like Brunson, with guys like Gillespie now, Archie Diacono, I mean, if he's able to to bring, bring production as a freshman, uh, I, I actually think he's going to be scary good for years to come. And he very well could be, and this is high, high praise. I don't want to leap that or heap this on him right now, but I wouldn't be surprised if by senior year we're talking about him like a Miles Powell type guy in the Big East. Yeah, you can't, can't argue with that. So uh, those guys, the two Tigers and Justin Moore were definitely the cream of the crop in in this little tier of rankings. Um, and for Memphis fans, if you want to get a slight chub, uh, you can go back to Subi's previous point about needing veterans on your team. And now we've got Lester Quinones, DJ Jeffries, and Boogie Ellis all presumably coming back, building off of uh, some either good seasons in the case of Jeffries and Lester, and then a season where he began to show some progression in Boogie Ellis. So, three sophomores who can play right there. And uh, hopefully we can get a recruit or two to go around with the rest of the role players. And then we should be in business uh, next year. I think we, with, with this group of guys, we should be expecting to finally make the tournament. If you know, we have basketball back by then. Yeah. Well, and like it's, it sh- should go without saying, but just having seniors, juniors and sophomores isn't enough. They've had to play with each other, develop a culture with each other, go through battles with each other. So it's not just enough to get a redshirt junior as a transfer or anything like that. What you mentioned is is important that these guys have gone through the rigors and the battles on and off the court this freshman year. They should be poised for next year. And then I think, you know, it, it is a confidence thing, right? A guy like Boogie Ellis should be like, fuck, man, I was recruited by Duke. Okay, to play in the ACC, I think I can take these guys in the AAC. I should be able to step up my, you know, my my playing ability. So, yeah. Zach, you got thoughts on that tier of players? Yeah, just kind of piggybacking on what you guys said. You don't always have to recruit at the highest level if you're able to keep some of these guys and develop them over time, and that's where you're you get really good value, really good bang for your buck when you're recruiting these guys that are not going to be leaving after a year or two, you know, they need several years to marinate in college, you know, improve their game. And that's what helps your program builds that consistency, builds that maturity and uh, toughens everyone up and gives them some guidance to the future. So to me, I mean, some schools have had success, uh, you know, with the one and dones. I think it's still good to have some of those, those, I mean, there's no way you can say it's bad if you recruited James Wiseman. Like that's just that's incredible. You need you still want to get those guys, but you're also going to need those veteran guards who are going to be able to calm everyone down when your 18 year old, you know, 18 year old superstar is getting frustrated for the first time in his life when he can't walk all over everyone on the court. So that's hopefully what these guys are able to bring. Uh, and yeah, it was kind of a, it was a very strange year with between injuries and a lot of off the court drama. Uh, but the and terrible, some terrible performances, terrible losses. I like the one at Tulsa, which you know made me want to not podcast for like a month. But you know they they fought back. The guys they really did fight back and gave us some hope. Had us talking tournament at least towards the end of the season. Uh, Zach, I'm really yeah, those, sorry. Go ahead. No, you got it. I, I was just gonna say I'm really glad you mentioned that uh, point about you know them being 18 years old and the pressure on doesn't matter if you're able to drop 25 in Cincinnati in December. I want a guy that's able to get the ball inbounds, bring it up over half court in an elite eight game when the fans are going insane. You know, I want a guy like miles Powell or or Peyton Pritchard to do that. I did have a question for both of you guys though. So of these three, Jeffries, Quinones and Boogie Ellis, who are you looking or who do you expect to make the biggest leap? And it's still super early now in the off season. But who are you expecting to make the biggest leap come next year? 
Uh, for me, it's DJ Jeffries. I think he, he's got the game. He can take you off the bounce. He's got the size to post up smaller defenders. I think he could really be um, a guy that we're talking about going in the lottery of next year's draft. Um, so I'm expecting him to do big things. But I also think Boogie could could – obviously he wasn't great this year, so he's got a lot more room to grow. DJ kind of planted the seeds of I can be – a really good college basketball player, um, whereas Boogie did not. So maybe from that standpoint, Boogie has more room to grow. But I think DJ Jeffries will be um, more relied on to to carry the team, um, unless we get Jalen Green, of course. Yeah, I think out of that, those three guys, DJ is definitely the best player, the one that I'm going to turn to in any situation. But Boogie has the most, like like Mason mentioned, the most ceiling. For, or he's furthest away from his ceiling, I think, than those three guys. So he really could – like he didn't really shoot the ball consistently this year. He only had a couple games where he shot well. And that was, you know, at least the hype of him coming in was that he was going to be a great shooter. And we just didn't really see that this year. So if he can bring that part of his game uh, and keep the defense, then I think he could really make, you know, the most incremental leap compared to where he's at now. DJ really – he – he was already showed a lot of spurts of brilliance, uh, a lot more than Boogie and Quinones did on a consistent basis. So we pretty much said the same thing, I think, Mason. Yeah, well, I mean, that sounds about right. That's normal. <laughs> I'll be looking forward to it then. Um, all right, so that's the uh, top four recruits from the Tigers who played, uh, obviously excluding Wiseman. Who only played three games, and then we get into Malcolm Dandridge, Malcolm Dandridge and Damian Ball. Malcolm was ranked 106, and Ball was ranked 115. Um, of course, Malco was out until late December with coming off an ACL injury. He only played in 24 games, uh, averaged about 13 minutes, three and a half points, three rebounds, and. Honestly, most of the season, he looked like he was just trying to get his legs back. He did not look explosive like he did at East in high school. Um, and at this point, I'm just hoping he can, he can get back to what he was. He seems like a guy who will work hard, um, especially to play for the hometown team. So I, I, I don't see him, you know, changing the game too much. I see him being a solid role player moving forward. Um and a four-year guy. And then Ball is someone who we all got tricked into believing could make the jump to the NBA this year after they played the hotel staff in the Bahamas. And, uh, I mean. That couldn't have been put better, Mason. That couldn't have been put better. He And, again, we got to take it into a vacuum. I mean, this is a 115th-ranked kid coming out of high school, a freshman who, in an ideal world, probably both of these guys would have redshirted. But uh, he, he averaged 21 minutes, just four points three and a half rebounds and three assists. So, uh, but I mean, just offensively, he was not a threat. Um, so I'm just going to read off the names of the guys who are ranked 101 to 120. And y'all, once I do that, y'all can kind of hit on guys who you thought played well or didn't play well. Um, well, obviously we'll just go with the, I'm just going to read these names off because these Mick ultras are starting to get to my head. I think um, at 101, we got Josh Nickelberry from Louisville, didn't really play. 102, Jalen Cohn, Virginia Tech. Uh, 103, Tumani Kamara at Georgia, part of you know their good recruiting class down there um, with Anthony Edwards. 104, we had Jalen Forbes from Alabama, only played about 10 minutes a game. 105, Jalen Gaffney from UConn, then it was Malco. 107 is Jaden Shackelford from Alabama, and he got buckets. 108 was Alamir Dawes from Clemson. Um, 109 was Tyrell Terry at Stanford, who is arguably the best player in this tier, sub-100 guys. 110, Robbie Buran, Northwestern. 111, Dante Allen, Kentucky, who was hampered by ACL injury, did not appear. Cole Bajima, Bahama at Michigan. Rylan Jones from Utah had a solid year. 114, Franz Wagner from Michigan, another guy who – uh, had a really good year. Then it was Damian Ball. Then Tyrell Jones from Auburn. Gerald Drumgool from Pitt. And Jalen House, Arizona State. Demir Bishop, Xavier. And Jalen Williams, Auburn. Sue, uh, I, we don't recognize most of those names. Were any of those guys good? No, I'll tell you what, man. I'm going to keep it 100% honest <laughs> with you guys. I, what I like to do, and 
we mentioned this when we first launched. It was our Titch was supposed to be a podcast where you know we just give you what we think and we joke around. We're not going to get so deep into the analytics. We don't know a bunch of these crazy names, and that's the case here. I actually <laughs> don't know a lot of these names, man. And so while my Twitter says you know theater in fucking uh ogden like <laughs> random place i try and give every team some love I, I hate to break it to you guys and and every listener i don't know 100 some of these names so what i'll do is uh mention a couple and actually they're highlighted here beautifully so Jaden shackleford like you had mentioned it at bama i thought this was a great get for nate oates and what he's building down there in tuscaloosa and i'd watch out if i were auburn they're easily the best team in that state right now but Nate Oates can coach, and I think Bama will be contesting them uh, in, in some games here shortly in the next coming years. Tyrell Terry, a lot of people forgot that Stanford was red hot in the beginning of the year. Uh, Jared Haas was front runner for Pac-12 Coach of the Year, and then I think they kind of remembered that they were Stanford. But that's how you sort of build success in a program is – you string together not just a couple weeks of good basketball, but a couple months. And Terry was definitely integral in doing so. And people forget that Stanford can get some players. Last year they had Casey Okpala, who I think went top fifteen to the uh, in, in the draft. So you know Stanford has some has some dudes. Uh, and then Franz Wagner, we we know his older brother Mo, who played in uh, the national title game. Franz had a really good year for Michigan. Uh, and he started out red hot as well. So I'm excited to see how he plays moving forward. But to your point about Damian Ball, I'm glad you you sort of gave that context because as an outsider, I'm obviously not as invested or follow Memphis basketball as much as you diehards do. But I remember there being a point, and when I see his name, it's kind of like a recollection of, but didn't didn't these guys love Damian Ball? Oh, I, I feel like they were all on Damian Ball. So like, can I get some more detail on that and and the trajectory of the season? Dude, he so he's really athletic. He's a, a long guard, and he came in. Who's going to be like the underdog guy, the guy who's going to surprise everyone? Uh, he's really going to get a lot of minutes, uh, get a lot of assists, play defense. He's going to be a dog on defense, and he did these things occasionally, but like not consistently at all. And we are really reminded when looking at this sheet that we have in front of us and how he compared to the rest of the guys in this area that he pretty much finished like he was appropriately ranked there's no way he was not over or he was not under ranked we'll say that much Uh, yeah and just to piggyback off that i mean coming out he wasn't even coming out of high school he was coming out of off a prep school year um and a sub 100 guy but we go down to the Bahamas and he's doing all these uh, drills just before the Bahamas. And like the coaching staff is saying like, he, he might be the best guy in this class. Like he might be our crown jewel. So uh, his play at the Bahamas, as I mentioned, like they were literally playing the hotel staff and the restaurant staff um, in some of these games. Uh, Shit went crazy. They were supposed to play some pro teams. And I mean, it's the Bahamas, you know, drug transactions go wrong down there all the time. Nothing different. Um, and so he's like getting steals and dunking and he steals the point guard spot. And I think the main problem with how he started this season and ultimately how he finished was he's not a point guard. <laughs> he's a, he can't really dribble and pass at the same time. He's a good slasher. He's a great on ball defender, um, but just a, a raw prospect. And as I mentioned, like if he could have redshirted this year, I think that would have been best for him not to take anything away from Ba or what he can bring to the table in the future. He still can be a really good college guard, but one, I don't think it should be with the ball in his hands. And two, I, I just think we, we, we bought into the hype, which Memphis fans do all the time. Yeah. Hey man, look, don't, don't beat yourself up too much over that. That's what college basketball fandom is supposed to be about. And that's what people do. I've just been so battered down that I'm like numb to it all. I'm like sick. we got a five-star recruit. Do something in March, then I'll start. To, then I'll be like, all right, that was a good get. But I mean, so to, to your point though, like I did not recognize a lot of these names, but when I saw Damian Baugh, I was like, I've never really seen him play, but I know these guys have tweeted about him. I can't put yeah. my finger on if it was yeah. negative or positive, but I know he moved the needle with the barn guys. Yeah, his minutes really started to fall off towards the end. Also, he he, he was getting a lot to start the season. You know, we were starting five freshmen and doing all that, and 
then his minutes really, I think it kind of rose to the surface that he's not quite ready for this level of competition. Maybe he will be, hopefully he will be because he, he is hyper athletic. Duke can, he can really jump. Um, and he's, he's pretty quick, but yeah, he just wasn't ready this year. Yeah, really with him and all of our freshman guards, and we can even toss Alex Lomax into this mix. It's like they they could do some great things and get us back into a game, but then like the one play we needed, they would just like throw it right to the other team for an easy layup. And we'd be like, yeah. what the shit? Like you just completely bl- blanked out in the most crucial moment of the game. And then that's how we end up losing a lot of games, just shitty turnovers, um, you know, due to youth or just – not being ready for the moment or whatever that may be. But ball ball was in that category of he might nut up and just hand the other team the ball. Well, let me give you a little bit of positivity here in the spin zone is if there was one year to get all those mistakes out, it's this year because yeah. the season was literally worthless. <laughs> so they got those mistakes out. Hopefully they've, they'll learn from it starting next year because I'll be damned if there's no tournament next year. Yeah, we don't even joke about that right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, at least with Ball and Malco, we we did see at least at some point some positive signs. There were no like we have some positives to take away, and we can project what they may become. We're not just like, damn, these dudes suck. Like they'll never play for us ever again, you know. Which yeah, with some of Tubby's players, we had we had that problem, and sometimes you have that with even guys who aren't sub one hundred recruits. So that is a positive as well. Yeah, you could definitely see a role with them down the line on a good team. I, I definitely wouldn't discount him for that. Yeah, I mean, I think Ball took the ball away from somebody on Tennessee to like lead to one of our baskets to get the lead in that game. So he made some big plays. All, all of these freshmen that we have talked about, uh, like we've said over and over again, got thrown into the fire because we had no upperclassmen. They had to learn how to play together. They had to learn how to win. They had to learn how to lose, and they did their fair share of both. And honestly, I think if we evaluate this team coming into the season without James Wiseman, one, expectations obviously aren't an Elite Eight run, Final Four run. It's probably more, oh, let's hope that they make the tournament. Um, So I think all in all, these guys all play decent. Obviously, some of them can improve. But if you're a Memphis fan, I think the future's bright and you – there's no reason to hang your head about how these guys perform this season. And, or even if you're one of these players listening, like they, they did what they were supposed to as freshmen. And now it's time to build on that. Yeah, I, I agree with that hundred percent. And I think that the whole suspension middle of the season, throwing that wrench and having young kids have to pivot penny. This was pretty much his first time as a head coach dealing with adversity, having him to pivot. You know, if, if you gave me this roster, preseason set you knew James Wiseman was not playing he's not he's not part of the equation if you gave me this roster uh I would still expect an NCAA tournament berth but they were right there on the outside looking in I think if they win their conference tournament obviously they'd be in that's the only way I think Memphis would have been in but that's pretty damn good given the circumstances that they were put through yeah, and then uh, obviously Jeffries got injured and and missed uh, a game where they lost to before his injury so um, a tough season, but, you know, adversity builds character. So, fuck it. That's a great quote. Terribly wrong. Like, there's this ESPN documentary filming you at all times, and you're 18 years oh, old. Yeah. You just want to, like, go smoke a blunt. Like, can you leave me alone? <laughs> not going to lie, I have not finished it yet. I probably need to do that this week. But where can I find that? thirsting for anything on uh, ESPN plus. So you get, I think 10 or 12 episodes of inside Memphis Tigers basketball. Yeah. I I don't know if I need them. And I got you guys. Yeah. (laughs) If you're not a diehard Memphis fan, you're probably not going to enjoy it that much because obviously most of the content that they were hoping for with Wiseman's injury uh, was taken away. And then uh, with the season ending abruptly, that was kind of surreal to see like all of them finding out that the, how the, that they weren't playing in the AAC tournament and all that. So I um, guarantee that content beats out watching the same office episode that I've seen for the past, <laughs> like 15 straight days. So, okay. So, so is that all you've been doing? Have you watched anything else? Have you read anything, any podcast you recommend other than your own? So 
I've, I, yeah, this backdoor cut show. Uh, mm-hmm. I listened to the in the can episode, so I'm going to be shamelessly plugging everything in the barn burner network. Uh, <laughs> but in terms of what else I've been watching, I've watched breaking bad for the very first time. Finish okay. that good theater. Um, if you know me, you know, I don't like anxiety inducing shows where I'm like shitting my pants all 45 minutes. I like mm-hmm. a nice light comedy 30 minutes in and out, but Breaking Bad, I obviously understand the love for that. And then, you know, your Netflix bingeable shows, Love is Blind, Tiger King, all that good stuff. So I've been keeping myself entertained, but there's only so many throwback college basketball, football, NFL games that I could, I can entertain myself with. Like I, I know there's zero suspense. I know the, know the outcome. Yep. The one thing that keeps continues to give me is the Kobe farewell farewell game uh, when he scored 60. But other than that, I'm getting, I'm getting tired of these reruns. Sports. It is nice to see, you know, Jordan every now and then, cause we don't see those as much. So uh, when you catch a good one of those, but. Well, we got yeah. that doc to look forward to. April 19th. Oh, I can't yeah. wait. Zach, what about you? What you've been watching or reading or listening uh, to? Mostly been reading. So I finished the first Harry Potter book. Oh shit! I so about yeah, I'm on begun my saga through the Harry Potter series. Um, I uh, are you like drinking to... Mountain Dews and eating Reese's while you're doing it too. <laughs> no, <laughs> no nothing, nothing that hardcore. I'm not that dedicated to it. Uh, well, but... I, just, I mean, it's like a middle school read. So I'm just wondering how far, how deep you're diving in. <laughs> um, medium. I'm waiting in. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> it, it's 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 I really enjoyed it. It's a very easy read, so it's it's one of those things I feel like you have to do, and I didn't do it back then, so that's something I owe to myself is to take care of that, take care of business now. I agree. Uh, that and I listened to City of Thieves because uh, JJ Reddick recommended that, so I listened to that, enjoyed that book. Um, that's, that's my most of my recent reads. I am trying to catch up on Ozark. I'm on season two still, so I got a ways to go. I know season um, three, there's a lot of hype surrounding that. I'm right there with you. I'm on like episode five of season one, so I'm I'm coming up behind you and going to embark on this Ozark adventure and hopefully finish it within the next week or so. Um, another show I watched was Godfather of Harlem about Bumpy Johnson and OG in Harlem. Uh Recommend that to anyone who is into gangster movies, similar or gangster series similar to The Wire or something like that. So, well, I loved American Gangster. Where can I watch that then? Uh, it's on Epics, but it was on demand on my television. So I don't know if it, I'm sure it's streaming on like Amazon Prime or something. Beautiful, but, but it, it's that's a really good show. One of the best shows I've watched this year. So, hoping Ozark can live up to the hype. I can't lie though; it could be the beers or just because we watch it late at night, but we keep passing out uh, and have to restart the episodes, my wife and I. So I don't know if it's boring or what. It's old age, man. That's what it is. Yeah, that's true. Too many uh, Zoom Zoom happy hours, you know, and I just pass out on the couch. (laughs) All right, right, guys. Well, it it was good to get together with y'all, talk some hoops, reminisce on the season that disappeared. Um, Had a good time. Soup, thanks for joining us. Mason. Thanks for, thanks for uh, having me, fellas. This was great. Great seeing your beautiful faces. You know, stay safe, all that good stuff. But thank you again. Yeah, Mason, I'll talk to you later. Uh, everyone subscribe to the Barnburner Podcast Network, wherever you get your podcasts. And until next time, we'll see you later. Peace.